we gravitate toward uh, styles of inner work or styles of self-inquiry that appeal to our type and to our own style. And one thing that people are doing when they're arguing, say, against our style is they're arguing their own Enneagram type. I feel like you have to suffer to to learn from the Enneagram. And generally, inner work isn't supposed to feel good. Our tone should not matter to you. If you are here to grow, then you should focus on what the fuck you're here to do. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self-pressed, 45 wing, 458 trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pressed, sexual, 9 with 1, 974 trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8 wing 7, sexual self-pressed, with 854 fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self-pressed social 3, wing 4, with a if you like our podcast guys make sure you go like and subscribe on the apple podcast app and if you really like us you should definitely leave us a review so the very first ever live recording of the big hormone enneagram show coming live from the kitchen of where are we at? Airbnb in Mechanicsville. Airbnb in beautiful Mechanicsville. <laughs> 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 Preparing for the uh, Nancy Walter wedding weekend. Bridezilla. Making demands. <laughs> we need to be drinking. That's what we need to be doing. Yeah. Do you need I'm a beer? Drinking. I need a drink. I don't know what's wrong Here, with you. you. I'm drinking. What do you want? Just give me the Heineken. This is the weekend of hangovers. Yes, it will be. All right. So now that we're here, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> uh, so in the now infamous Ian Crone episode that we did. That hilarious, tasteful, well-planned. Very moral. Everyone loved it. Upstanding. No one had any issues. Everyone loved it. I thought it was hilarious. I, that was a big surprise to me because I didn't know it was coming out. So <laughs> I was just like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, I straight up was very confused. That was in two seconds, me and Emma could be like, let's just do something f- stupid. And <laughs> <laughs> just it. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah. That thing just became something. I, we, we didn't, I didn't even know that you were going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I got some people fucking mad at me for that. And, uh, like, Part, they're like, well, how could you be so disrespectful to a fellow Enneagram teacher? And I mean, first Suck of all, dick. I don't know. I think that the, the there's a heat major difference between like our dinky little pod right. and they're like millions or whatever listeners. Right. But also, you know, I actually do think that uh, Ian Cron has no respect for the Enneagram. Yeah. And... <laughs> And <laughs> so that's this is part two. Yeah, basically. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, th- I, th- I think that he, um, like, whether it was out of ignorance or out of opportunism or both, I think that he did not learn the Enneagram very deeply and cribbed some teaching, some, some rough understanding from some other authors and then slapped it on a book that he could sell to a evangelical publisher mm-hmm. and knowing he was going to sell a lot. Right. And have a big audience, and I don't think he had the sense of what the Enneagram actually was and the responsibility it comes with to um, be accurate. And in, I think that, you know, like some people criticize us for our tone, and I, I totally understand that. And 
I don't think our tone, uh, I mean, maybe there's a couple times when it's gotten gone too far or whatever, but I think generally speaking, we all really care about the Enneagram and we all care about, you know, <laughs> speak for yourself. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's gone, but, but I think, you know, like we all really care about the Enneagram and I think that we all feel a sense of responsibility in terms of, uh, representing it accurately because if it's only the accurate information is what can help people, uh, grow from it. And, I, I yeah like I, I I it's not just that I think Ian Cron is like a goofball I I actually think he's doing active harm to something where he's preventing a tool like the Enneagram from um you know knowing he's got a huge audience and that you have a lot of responsibility when you have a huge audience he just kind of like wanted to sell books and it's it's done a lot to actually obscure the power and potency of the Enneagram mm-hmm. like if it was up to me the Enneagram would never have become public at all <laughs> ever secret and, knowledge yeah it would absolutely be secret just and like Egypt just like Egypt it would all be secret and the rocks it would be all esoteric you'd have to work for it and so now uh, you know it's hard to find like I, and I don't think there's a it's a coincidence that after Ian Cron there's been a lot of um, like an uptick in people using Enneagram to like sell Sherwin oh, Williams yeah. paint and shit like that. The Sunny Four, that's he didn't he just because of him, because of that book, that's like everywhere on social everywhere. media. Yeah. So I mean, it, people might be offended by that kind of stuff, but it's like you watch Saturday night Saturday Night Live every week. Like that's yeah, right. that's a form of social commentary. Well uh comedy, like just get a, if you don't like that if you don't like comedy, you don't get it, that's fine. But I also feel like we didn't say anything that was actually mean. No. Like, we weren't mean-spirited. We made fun of his uh, evangelical... You disagree, Brian? I'm trying to recall the episode myself. There were, I mean, there's nothing in specific that stood out. I wouldn't say that it was... I wouldn't say that it was entirely not mean-spirited. As a jab to... Yeah, I guess I don't see a jab as mean spirited. Like, I don't think we said anything that was like personal. We, personal, yeah. We we made fun of his evangelicalism, which we've made fun of plenty of times. Right. Uh, his take on the enneagram, and then just like his voice. I mean, sure, but I mean, that's I don't know. That's low hanging fruit. That's yeah. that's SNL <laughs> yeah. shit. You know, like that's. Right. My dad's on. a political cartoonist, right. so like, I mean, I just grew up with roasting people, and that seems like a very fair way to express something. So I think we all want to see your dad's political cartoons, by the way. <laughs> just go- just uh, yeah, Google my last name, and it's all my my dad's stuff. Really? Yeah. You should post a weekly John Lukovich no. his dad. <laughs> I love my father, but uh, he wants no. to eclipse him. At once. No, it's, it's actually my, my dad is way too liberal for me. You know, he's <laughs> right. way too liberal. Like I, I'm, I'm leftist. You know? Oh, okay, not, okay. I, I thought you meant further left, and I was oh, like, excuse no, me, can you no, go it's, it's very, left? it's very like you know, middle of the road. Oh, okay. Biden, I, I get yeah. what you're saying. Oh, ooh, I wouldn't call Biden liberal. No, I don't. I agree with you, but you know. Okay, I got very confused by that terminology. This makes well, more sense. Anyway, I think part of the reason we were really. Uh, well, I don't want to say this is the reason why we did that episode, but something that's been happening recently and always happens with us is that people expect certain things from our group, from our podcast, even though we are pretty clear and upfront as to who we are, what we're trying to do. And I think every now and then we need to remind people that, yes, we give a shit about inner work, inner growth, and all that stuff. But at the same time, we're human beings. We like making inappropriate jokes. Like, stop pretending that you're not a human being while still doing inner work. So 
yes, I'm going to make inappropriate jokes, mean-spirited jokes, and all those things, because I am a human being. We are human beings. We're not pretending to be otherwise. But we also run a group that's centered around developing ourselves. And so we wanted to use this podcast to reintroduce ourselves to everyone, to let everyone know <laughs> what the fuck we're doing. <laughs> like, in episode one, if you missed it, this is another episode one. But with uh, better sound quality. With our visuals, so you can hear us say it with our whole chests <laughs> that we're here to do inner work and be inappropriate. <laughs> and you can do both. Hate but to break anyway, it to you. yeah, that's basically to sort of like recontextualize what uh, this group is and, you know, uh, what do we represent in the Enneagram world. And I've heard um, some people contextualize us by saying that we are irreverent of all the wrong things, but reverent of the right things. I don't know if that's exactly how he put it, but like that we care about the things that matter and we don't give a shit about the things that don't. And so what are those things? And what should people expect? I think most people get it, but I think we still run into this thing where people have certain expectations of, oh, I thought this was a group about inner growth. And, you know, what does that mean? Like, they imagine that they're in church or something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think most of what I think, at least for Americans, uh, inner growth stuff looks like is very gentle and very, like, holding. And it's kind of about... It's it's a lot of like, and I don't mean this disparagingly, but it's, there's you know there's a big difference between work on personality and work on being, and we're working on personality. Like we're making distinctions around how to see yourself. We're not doing a lot of like um, being work in terms of like practice and things like that. But we're helping people uh, see and illuminate these predominantly or these entirely unconscious structures so they can use it for themselves but it requires it's like a different emphasis than sort of the gentle holding accept yourself um you know emotional catharsis this is a safe space to feel all you feel this is more about making sure that the tool you apply to those kinds of situations is really clear and accurate and that we're not going to be entertaining the kind of comforting ideas or um self-concepts or things of that nature that often are not invited into those more gentle holding spaces. You got to have somebody that's more um, holding down like the intellectual rigor and the kind of um, making sure that you're seeing because the personality is invested in not seeing itself. Even if you're doing inner work, uh, the amount of like, like sometimes when people are doing that kind of gentle inner work, you come in with this more, you know, um, uh, intellectual or uh, view to accuracy kind of point of view and then people feel offended and attacked mm, and they mm-hmm. feel threatened and they can't continue in that more sensitive work. And so there's there's a lot of different components here. And so like if you're looking for uh, inner work, like I mean, I like I think we're all available for that, especially privately. Like we do a lot of that very gentle holding stuff. But like in this podcast where it's our friends and we're just talking with each other about what we really think and uh, you know, it's a different thing you're going to come for. It's also just like there are different personality perspectives, approaches to doing something, anything. So, you know, like, like for example, let's talk about Gurdjieff, the you know, founder of... Uh, the one who one like of the, brought the Enneagram symbol to the world. So, like, talk about his style of inner work. He, he's a type 8, a social 8, who that, that sense of forcefulness showed up in the way that he uh, guided people through their um inner development and 
you know, if you're, if he's still a type eight, you don't transcend your personality to become something you're not. So what might feel valid and helpful as a growth path for me might not be the same for someone who has like a type nine personality or needs a softer approach. Some people need a fucking punch in the mouth to grow. You There's need, nothing wrong with that. You need different things at different times. Right. It's just, you know, the personality wants to do their personality all the time. It thinks that, you know, I'm just going to do the eight thing all the time. Like everyone needs the eight approach and that's not the case. <laughs> right. So it's like, there are all these inner development groups that are following the two, seven, nine hippie burnout approach <laughs> of the, you know, it's all good. You're everything you do is just going to help you get there and develop. But some people actually need a more harsher approach to actually develop and Gurdjieff's approaches would get him canceled today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. More yeah. than canceled. It would have put him in jail, probably. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's not to say that Gurdjieff was always right. And, like, I think you should never idealize any teacher at all. And what I would say is just, you know, that, and this is true for ourselves, too, is, like, um, we gravitate toward uh, styles of inner work or styles of self-inquiry that appeal to our type and to our own style. And so, like, I think that's what we can deliver from the point of view of our types. Right. But, like, you know, for myself, like, I have gone through several different flavors of, of inner work groups, whether it's, like, a men's group. Like, if you remember the Curtis uh, pod oh, yeah. we did way back, I used to belong to that. I, I, I've wanted my friend Jessica on, who's a master breathwork teacher. She's, like, a, she's a two, probably triple positive. And, like, I went through that for, like, six or seven years. And it was, you know... It was like a twos inner work group, and it was very lovey and like eye gazing contact stuff. <laughs> and I, it was like really outside my comfort zone. I was yeah, yeah. really uncomfortable with it for six years, <laughs> and uh, and it was great. Like I learned a lot from it, and I learned how to hold people, and I learned how to be able to be uh, a witness for their process. And then the Gurdjieff stuff is like this very austere, like, I don't give a fuck about your personality. Like, I don't even know the names of a lot of people in the group I've been with in prob probably six years. Uh, wow. I've been in that, six or seven years, been in that Gurdjieff group. And so I don't know a lot of their names because it's this sort of austere practice. So what I'm saying is like, a lot of times I feel like if somebody says inner work, then they become with associations of what that's going to mean and what mm. they want out of that. And it's like, like, it's up to whoever's listening or whoever's interested in our stuff to either fucking just like let us go or to see where we can apply in a larger scheme of what they're interested in and take what they can t uh, take from us and leave behind what they can't because like if we if you just purely liked us on every facet that's something wrong yes like somebody said uh somebody sent me a message on instagram that was like uh had two facets where it was like on one hand you're not going to win ian cron listeners by making fun of ian cron it's like they're not. They're not listening to us. They're not listening. To we're us. not winning. It's not about our, you know. We're not, it's we not, would never win them. Yeah, it's not. We're not here to win anybody's. But also, uh, they said something like, "Well, it just sucks that I like I like this pod so much, but then there's things I don't like about it." And yeah. it's like, "Well, that's good that you don't like everything," you know. So I think that's a good thing. This is an analogy that we discussed. Like, imagine going to a new neighborhood that you've never been to before, and you like certain aspects of it. Maybe you like the food, and some people would just be like, man, I really like the food. This is great. And I don't like this stuff, but I'm really, I'm really appreciating the food. And that's what you leave with. And then some people go to the, that neighborhood for the food, but they look around and they're like, but there's no Starbucks. Where's the Starbucks? Why are people speaking, this, speaking loud 
Spanish, why, why, you know, so there's this like sense of, I can't just appreciate the thing that I like, like it has to conform to me completely. And that's something that kind of boggles my mind that people come see that, hey, these are a group of dudes that are a group of people that are doing something interesting with the Enneagram. I like some of it, but I would like them to become more like me. Uh, Why don't you align more with what I'm used to? That's the part that I don't understand. If you appreciate some of the stuff that we've done, that's great. But why do you expect us to be like you? (laughs) Because they grew up in a homogenous culture. (laughs) What do you think, David? Yeah, you haven't spoken this whole time. (laughs) David exists! I mean, uh, another way to say what we've been saying... Yeah, another way to say what we've been saying is... Deep-throated. And something that's... uh, (laughs) uh, Something that's important to me is hell, right? And just more and more layers of hell. And, And... Really, just there's there's continuously new things, new layers of uh, self-revelation that you can get to with the Enneagram and with Trifix and with all of it and, and just see the traps of it. And just when you think you might have seen it all, you know, there's still more to see. And you have to go further and further and further and further into the ugly. Right. And uh, if you're if you're actually interested in in coming out the other side, you have to go all the way to the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're kind of self conscious about being provocative uh, because I mean, the reactions that you have to whatever, whether it's positive or negative, are like raw material for understanding something about yourself. It doesn't necessarily. It's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just like if you hate this, if you like this. What are you stuck in? What is comfortable? What you're not, you know, like, I mean, I, uh, you know, we obviously have a kind of a, like, fuck it all. Like, it's all wrong. You know, that's kind of a thing. And that's our thing. And sure. like, and, but, you know, there's not a lot of that, not, not a lot of that within the Enneagram milieu. Right. And so I understand that like people sometimes feel like they got to take us to task to like confront that point of view. And I like, I understand what that, like, I, there's something actually in there that is does is is actual or makes sense or something but in terms of a certain perspective or note that we're offering through this uh configuration of personalities uh we're you know we're trying to offer something that uh is just not currently out there well i think part of what motivated us to even do all this stuff is that we did look out there and we couldn't find ourselves we couldn't find anything that reflected like there wasn't any space for us, so we created our own space. And so what can be infuriating is like, well, I wasn't ex- accepted anywhere else, and so I got kicked, we got, got kicked out from all these other groups, so we created our own space. And then people came into our own space to say, you're doing it wrong. So no, we did Asking it for us. Asking us to change for them, even yeah. though nobody changed for us. Yeah. In, yeah. A way, in a way, what we're doing is like compensatory. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like there's... All this oh, positive absolutely. sunshine yeah. stuff, yeah, exactly. and so we're maybe cranking up the dark and the negative and the ugly, but it's it's what's needed to swing things into something that's a more sober balance or something. A more natural balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, a, a byproduct of the no counterforce is all the nines think they're fours. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's right. like, and I think that itself, that like that confusion 
is kind of like not not just in nine, but it's like a general thing of like knowing I need to go to another darker place to get what I need. Yeah. Or yeah. you know, it's like a, right. it's like a collective like nine can kind of do that collective representative of the collective energy and like think that that knowing there's some place I need to go and and on one hand when we need to go somewhere we're also going to kind of hate that place too right. you know what I'm saying it's like because it's bringing us out of what's familiar so um, you know I don't think we have all the answers are all right or we're all great or whatever like that but I, I you know I really I fucking love this shit you know yeah <laughs> I mean the thing is we are ourselves like it's it's like it's just that there aren't very many people like us interested in inner work. We're That's, so special. It's <laughs> it's like most people who have negative personalities don't see themselves as trying to develop, you know, because people generally associate development with a positive outlook, which isn't the case. That's just a type perspective. And so y'all are too mean is like mean to what purpose? Because What's more courageous? Like, what's actually kind? To be nice or to actually say the difficult thing that you know might help someone? So there's a difference between niceness and kindness. And people are expecting niceness from us when, to me or to us, kindness might be slapping the shit out of you. Yeah. There's some truth. Yeah, well, it's just so much busting up the format of any kind of growth group. I mean, we said it already, but just to, to not put on the facade of being happy, smiley, sunny people. Because well, most people aren't. Yeah. And we've also touched on this uh, in pa- like early pods, but like, and not to get too like uh, decolonizing inner work or something, but like <laughs> there's definitely something about our, like our American expectations and like how, how like American white people are oh, yeah. You yeah. Know, in terms of what's appropriate and how like at the professionalism kind of element. It's yeah. like, mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, you're referencing Gurdjieff and, uh, you know, but like, like I'm aware of other teachers and other cultures that like on one hand, yes, we're all familiar with like people, any kind of power or any kind of influence or whatever being abusive and blah, blah, blah. But there's also an element where, um, you know, that a lot of the expectations of like soft, like soft, uh, what are those colors called? Pastel. Pastel colors and like gentle voices. (laughs) Yeah, is is like it's therapeutic, but it's not actually it's not always actual work. It's not right. actually growth. Sometimes it's just actually, I mean, it's and it's necess- mostly calming the trauma or whatever. Calming the trauma, right? Yeah, yeah. Generally, inner work isn't supposed to feel good. Yeah, that, I mean, like, there's a, a huge part of it that is healing and working with trauma. That's like really important, necessary. And then there's other parts which it's like, how, like, how do I make efforts? You know, Gurdjieff called it intentional. Uh, Conscious suffering and intentional labor, mm-hmm. or intentional suffering and conscious labor—same thing, you know. But it's that idea that's like part of uh, part of s- seeing yourself and working to see is to suffer yourself. And I think that you know we resist things that are going to put our own personality in a light that will cause us that kind of suffering. That to like basically a cringe to be like, oh my god, I'm this way. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I think our group is pretty good with that of humiliating everybody including ourselves (laughs) exactly like i think if you go around the enneagram circle if you actually look at all the types and you put them in a room together you're going to have conflict because those are just like widely Mm -hmm. opposing um viewpoints and so a lot of times when you get echo chambers of um people who tend to agree with each other they have similar types but if you had 
a full range of different personality types, if you had all the assertive types, all the reactive types, all the positive types, you're going to run into somebody that pisses you off because their way of approaching things is going to rub you the wrong way. And I think what our group has fostered was is a place where a lot of disagreeable personalities could call home because no one's going to save you from a bad, a mean comment that somebody made about you know material, the material. Whereas in some groups, they might enforce people just being nice to each other on a superficial level. So I think that's facing reality, like facing the reality that if you are an adult, you're going to run into these personality types in some way in real life, in either a work or a relationship in much tougher ways than you would in an Enneagram group. If you're dealing with real life issues, you're going to run into some really tough personality clashes. So if you're complaining about some group drama, wait till you get out there and you've dealt with an actual eight or six or in, at the lower levels and you're actually dealing with life issues with the personality type that's not yours. This is nothing compared to that. So stop fucking bitching about <laughs> online drama. <laughs> and one thing that people are doing when they're arguing, say, against our style is they're arguing their own Enneagram type. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. because part of what having an Enneagram type is, is that it's telling you it's kind of arguing all day long for its rightness. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. I, it's, it's so we could sit here and be like, yeah, I know that lawlessness would be me arguing my own Enneagram type, but it's like we kind of create a group where all the types could argue their own point of view, but it just strikes me as odd that some people get on their soapbox and think that their perspective is objective that would actually be better for a group when it's just it's just your type's perspective on what would make sense. That's it. Also, something I want to address is the recent comments that we just like hate attachment types. Oh yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> that's bullshit. Three, three of the people here and four of the people in the room are attachment types. Right. And our queen Courtney is an attachment queen. Right. Yeah. And I'm in love with the triple attachment lady. We did an entire podcast about attachment types. That's absolute <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> We, yeah. we we paid the most attention, but also we really have. I think this is the most pro attachment group. <laughs> it there definitely is. is. I feel groups, so honored as like an attachment type in here. Because like a lot of the groups that like uh, claim to be like nicer, like everybody fucking hates attachment types right. in those groups because they're they they're hating themselves basically. <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> and that's why they're claiming to be fours. Right, right, right. Like because you're like, oh, you might be be a six, and they don't like see the value of being a six or something mm -hmm. like that, and then they're yep. like, you're being mean to me by. Like we fucking love sixes, you know. We yeah. love nines, we love threes, and it's like a lot of this content is thanks to attachment types, and that there's this. I think I think some, for some attachment types, it's the attachment to disconnect. Right. I mean, I, not everybody needs to like us, but like I think sometimes it's like, oh, you don't like attachment types. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what are you I, talking about? <laughs> I am constantly shocked by how many people don't analyze where their thoughts are coming from. Yeah. Like their thoughts just pop up in their head and they're like, yep, that's a thought. And it's right. And I just don't get it. I don't yeah. get it. Like nobody. Part of what we're saying here is attachment, attachment <laughs> types doing a, attachment to disconnect. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. They're, and it seems like none of them types are aware. That are thinking we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Attaching. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But right, I don't right. understand how none of them consider that maybe it's their type doing their type. Yeah. Because I feel like. 
not to toot my own horn, but I feel like <sighs> I've been very fairly aware of that my whole life. And it's like, have you never thought about where your thought is coming from? Right. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense to me. It blows my mind. Well, it's like who else is doing multiple episodes and has devoted as much time trying to understand and making like, nines great again. Yeah. Make yeah. like to, to try to understand. And you know, as much as we've all studied the Enneagram, like nothing is more mysterious and interesting or has been as interesting as, as trying to understand attachment type. And it was a revelation to us. That we're not coming from a know-it-all place. Right. right. And it's like the deeper we go, like the more we keep discovering, oh, shit, the thing that you knew before, like there's even deeper layers to that. I'm constantly so shocked by how interested you are, Amica, in attachment types. You'll be sitting there and you're like, have this really kind question for me and i'm like oh you're actually interested in this like okay <laughs> yeah because the bottom there's no bottom to it it's like every single year it's like wow there's still more to understand because it's like part of the attachment thing is that it is hard to pin down and you know the hex ties once you've pretty much figured it out it's like okay you know what an eight's up to you know what a seven's up to it's not that interesting but sixes threes and nines like you can go endless in all the different iterations as to what they're up to and I mean, I might be a deeply self-absorbed four here, you but are. I feel like that we don't talk that much about four, given all the airtime four gets. We right. talk don't. a lot about not a four. Right. <laughs> you know, but like when when I start talking about four, especially in other groups, uh, people accuse me of hating fours and bullying fours. You know, like totally. Because part of what we're, what we're doing is being like, oh, it's not about being like so deep and sensitive. Right, it's right. like frustrated and negative and self-absorbed and right. an asshole and all this, you know, and self-centered and stuff like this. People are like, no, you, why do you hate fours? <laughs> you know? Well, and it's also people uh, like attaching morality to those statements. Right. It's like, it's exactly. not a moral issue. A I am one. just making a fucking statement. Right. You want to say something? Yeah, oh, man, no, <laughs> there's a, no, there's a speech, 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 speech. <laughs> well it's interesting how that happens with certain types and doesn't happen with others so like no one's making crying oh who's why are you being so mean to twos or, or, or sevens, ones or, or sevens or you know like there's certain types that people have attached like heroic values to that how dare you say bad things about fours and or eights they're they want to just help the underdog shout out to mary bates yeah mary shout out to mary bates who's actually watching and cassandra or cassandra i'm sorry i i don't know which what is this like thursday night yeah it is Uh, a lot of people are watching okay it's like 16 people ashley laura michaela daniel laurel michael avery yeah we love you guys um, on a little side note, I have a story for you guys about right. how people... You're going to gossip about some of them? No, I'm not going <laughs> to gossip about any of you guys. I'm going to do that off screen. Um, <laughs> she says, I'm a nine, so I don't care how you say my name. Um, <laughs> well, I care. Um, so about how people take things personally when nothing is meant personally. And I just, that consistently confuses the shit out of me. Mm. Uh, There was a guy in a uh, parking lot recently who almost backed into us. And so we both got out of the car at the same time and he was just going to walk by me like nothing fucking happened. And I was like, hey man, you should drive better. Like you should watch where you're going. And he was like, what did you fucking say to me? And I was like, are you stepping at me right now? Like, I literally just told you to use your use your mirrors. Like, calm down. This isn't a moral fucking issue. And he ended up taking that so personally that when I was sitting in the front of the bar, because I saw him with his little 
little mousy little fucking face. I was like, you're going to do something. So I sat in the front of the bar so I could watch him. He went out the back and let the air out of my tires. Wait, what? Oh because God. he was so personally offended by me. What? By one statement I made. So that's wow. like that's how seriously people take just simple statements. And I don't, it confuses me. Wow. I don't understand it. So if anyone has any insight on that, I would love to hear it because I don't get it. People are very uh, brittle spirit. <laughs> spirited. Well, they're just little bitches. Yep. Like just, <laughs> it was nothing, I don't know. I'm very if confused If you were a that. six foot four guy, I guarantee you he wouldn't have done that. No, no. He tried <laughs> to step at me real quick and I was like, Mm-mm. I'm sorry, do you think you're going to fight me? <laughs> you picked the wrong bitch. <laughs> uh, I would have, yeah, he would mm. not have done that. Mm. If I had a dick. <laughs> it would have been like, sorry, bro. I respect your existence on this earth. Were you by yourself? Um, he thought I was by myself, but uh, he didn't see him in the car. Damn. Yeah. Wait, you getting the tires deflated when he was in the car? No, no, no. We were, we were in the. He just didn't <laughs> see him. Yeah. In the bar, I thought in the car. Like no. you there, just like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a little too nonish. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> Brian's like a passive little nine until it has anything to do with me. And then he's like, I will burn your house to the ground. (laughs) Just righteous anger bleeds out of him. (laughs) That's on my to-do list. I don't know what you mean, Ash. What was left over on that topic? Is there anything we wanted to address? Mm. Alexandra. You've had a lot yeah, of what are your yeah, thoughts you so about thoughts. us as a group? Yeah, tell us. Tell but now us that the there's social... a camera, I'm completely blank. What, what is our social contextual yeah, you're the social label? Tell us about us. Yeah, from a social perspective. Yeah, please what, explain. What is our role in the Enneagram? Yeah, please explain. Self development. Uh, let's see. I tell think us how fucked up we are. Yeah, I tried oh, really well. hard to do social earlier <laughs> today. You know, we, have, we have a limited amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, the first thing I think you guys are a balancing agent to everything else that's out there. Um, I think you guys are a bit of heavy hitters in a way that is going to reach an audience that wants this information. Um, I think a lot of the reason you guys get a lot of, and we kind of covered this already, I think a lot of the reason you guys get a lot of flack for your approach is likely from specific types that undermine, okay, how do I say this, is that that criticism likely comes from types who feel like their approaches are undermined. Do you know what I'm saying by that? Like, it's not necessarily just attachment types, but I've seen it also with twos and sevens and with ones that feel like their way of doing things is being called wrong Mm. because it's not mirrored by what you guys are doing. You know, like, everybody has attachment in them, so it's not just attachment types, right. So I think that's the reason you guys get a lot of um, criticism is because people, it's similar to what Nancy was just saying, is that people take your approach personally and they think that it's discounting their way of moving through life you know the funny thing about that is that like a couple of years ago this group was just like a couple hundred people just fucking around like i didn't even know it existed you know like this this was nothing and just to watch it a couple of years go by and it's a big group and there's a podcast and all these things it's like we just put out episodes every week and all of a sudden we're a big deal and people feel like we're some kind of threat to their way of life 
You can yeah. go start your own group, start your own podcast, and do exactly what the fuck we did. And yeah. you can say we're shit and in just, your group. You, know, you can make do, an entire group off yeah. of shit talking us. Because people definitely spend a people, lot of energy shit talking other groups. A lot of energy. <laughs> a it's lot like, of fucking energy. And I keep people keep like sending me DMs to like be like, hey, here's a screenshot of them saying shit. <laughs> yeah. And most of it I just like ignore. But there's a couple like there was one recently where somebody who is clearly like not a four seven eight, but thinks they are. Yeah. <laughs> was this uh, you know, like like liberal lady that was like that claimed that based on our um, our just our roast description of four seven eight that Emika had that, it, that somehow it comes from Emika's privilege. <laughs> Emika's privilege. My that privilege. Was that yeah. was the that was like it wasn't just like oh there it, there was no intellectual like oh you know I think that they're wrong about this description or this combination of types and this is what I think it was like well they all come from privilege but she specifically cited Emika's privilege it's this hair it's yeah. this hair that Which makes me like, privileged it was just like amazing <laughs> very confused it was right just now. amazing the mental gymnastics people can go through to justify why they don't feel right you know they, they're feeling annoyed or something and it's gotta be ethical and I don't, it was bizarre I think part of it is like when we were nothing nobody gave a shit like now that we've been producing stuff consistently people can't ignore us and so they're offended that we are excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I think and, it's also and it's partly like if you don't like the way we're doing things, go do it your way. Yep. If you think that the sunshine, compassion, empathy way is the right way to do it, go start a group, start a podcast, do it your way, put in the work and make your own scene. No one's stopping you. I don't understand. Like if I saw somebody like that's what we did. We saw Fuck this, you know, the way that people are doing this Enneagram stuff. Let's do the way that we would like to do it. But you want to come bitch at us for stuff, something that we've just, you know, a labor of love that we've just, you know, been. And it actually would be great if there were yeah. a bunch of other groups and, and as good as ours. That would be yeah. amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be, go for and it with totally different styles. Totally different styles. Have yeah. different points of view by yeah. all yeah. means. Yeah. Please, dear God. Yeah. I'm begging you. <laughs> I think part of it is because you guys are starting to get a lot of validity. Yeah. Other mm, people, yeah. good or bad, whether it's positive, you know, attachment again, positive attachment or negative attachment, your ideas are circulating, people are chewing on them. And because of that, anything that is coming from you that they don't like is going to be, you know, morally, con they're going to find a way to morally mm -hmm. condemn it to, to, Dismiss it completely. So you're saying that they're essentially just jealous ass little bitches. Is what yeah. Right. So for the social perspective, <laughs> from, <laughs> from the social perspective, also you guys are gaining steam and you are gaining traction and you're gaining like clout for some reason. There's a notoriety you guys have for being like the enneagram bullies. <laughs> um, so wear that with pride. <laughs> anyway. I know, right? Like, you're bullying me, guys. Help! <laughs> help! Get me out of here. <laughs> They're going to take that sound bite and just make something out of it. They're like, look, Alexandra's in trouble. Yeah, it's just intensified over the last couple of years where I'm like, what's, what's, what has changed other than our output and the, the uh, quality of what we've been putting out? Is, that's the only thing that's changed. It's just like we have a lot of these like, fans now who uh, just love to get together and just talk shit about the things that we produce. It's like, I mean, if you think we suck, then just do, well, why don't you just do better? Like, I think it's also the novelty of the conversation that's having to come from this. Like, people are impressively uncreative, <laughs> impressively boring. Uh, yeah, find different ways to <laughs> Nothing say. Nothing ass bitches. Exactly that. 
So the idea of having to like put their creativity, their mental, you know, prowess to work on any new thing yeah. uh, is very challenging and it's going to be way easier to just dismiss it before it takes root. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I definitely experience that on like a weekly basis with you guys. It's like all of you are so um, unique that I You're often, unique. well, <laughs> but I don't view myself as unique. Like you guys view yourself as unique. <laughs> um, and unique I, or insane, which one is it? Either one, <laughs> either one. Friends. I, yeah. <laughs> so it's like you know I experience that. So I empathize with these people of being like slightly reactive to this experience of, oh my God, they're more unique than me and I could never have these kind of thoughts that they have Mm. because I'm just parodying something else that someone else said. But I think it's important to face that head on and try to start creating your own thoughts around it. Yeah. I mean, we definitely think of ourselves as unique, but like, I don't like... I don't, we're, I'm not like, these are the, like, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not that self-conscious about it. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. Like, and, and so it's like, uh, one of the things that I think does irritate people is that we're pretty like confident about ourselves <laughs> and how obnoxious we are. And I think that True. irritates people. But I mean, that came from like a long time with, I didn't, I wouldn't feel confident if I just got into the Enneagram a couple sure. of years ago. Like. But I mean, this even, is as, a long even time. as individuals, we're pretty just like... Yeah, obnoxious. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty obnoxious. But, uh, but, you know, another thing what I too is that in, this came up, like there was a string of people like complaining on, on different things recently. And something that came up was like, sometimes people will like attach, and I don't just mean attachment types, but like some people like like our stuff in certain ways. And then big, like because there's some kind of hook, then all the other stuff that they hate, yeah. then they've got to like figure out it like it's like their brain is divided like i want to go all in or i you know and so it's like then they start developing like a litany of certain complaints that we're not catering to to adapt into a way that they would find acceptable to like right like what does it mean that i like these guys or their content or their whatever if they've got this style that i don't like Mm. you know and so i how do i uh navigate that seeming disparity or that gap or whatever. I just, I don't understand that because is that the kind of relationship people have with bands? Is that the kind of relationship people have with like shows? Like I might like a show. You can like all kinds of different shows. But you know, there might be something wrong with, you know, this person who's in a band or whatever. It's like, I don't give a shit about that. I just like the music. I do. I mean, you do. I give a shit. (laughs) I did. Okay, here's a... Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I did so much research on the band I have tattooed on my arm before I got them tattooed on my arm because I was like, I don't want something to come up in five years that I'm going to be like, oh my God, I got this tattooed on my arm and this is like an issue. Mm. So that's a yeah, different level. My Lost commitment. Profits yeah. tattoo. <laughs> Do you know Lost Profits? No. The the lead singer of Lost Profits turned out to be like enormous child molest. Oh, See? God. Yeah, that would be <laughs> Okay, that's, that's different. I'm joking. That's I'm different. That happened though. Really? Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, that's that would be like literally my worst fear. If I had a tattoo and like someone came out as like a like it came out that they were a child molester and I had a tattoo. Yeah, no, I, I remember hating them, but still being like, like I remember when they were like on the radio, and then yeah, the the lead singer was like a crazy pedophile. <laughs> worst nightmare. Worst nightmare. I think the worst for me maybe is I've seen I like the band they put out an album and then the second album came out and it wasn't more of what I liked 
And so I was mad. But maybe you listen to that album long enough and then you're like, oh, I really like this. I mean, you start to like the character of the band. You're not necessarily if what they do agrees with you. Mm -hmm. You know, like you just pick and choose. Like, I like this song on this album. I don't have to like the whole thing. So maybe you just like one episode that we've done. But why does that have to fucking mean that we everything we do has to be something that would that would agree with you? It's like that's I don't know. Asking too much. <laughs> our, our content is three cheers for sweet revenge, but our our uh, personalities are uh, the black parade. <laughs> Sick. I'm down with that. Meaning one is a major disappointment, while the other one is pretty cool. <laughs> so hold on. It's it's hilarious to me. One of the things I love about us is that we generate the best content, Enneagram content around, and we have some of the most repugnant personalities doing it. So people <laughs> have to yourself, contend man. with... Well, I mean, to some people, oh, yeah, you know, to, to some people, they're like, oh my say. God. I mean, of course, I don't think that way about myself. But yeah. uh, so it's like people have to contend with the fact that this much quality is emanating <laughs> from such black holes. Such absolute <laughs> bullshit. Just a cow patty in a field podcasting. It can't, they have to contend with us. <laughs> well, then that just means that they could actually create content. They just have to try harder. They could. <laughs> and that's terrifying. Well, it's, it's I mean, the content, that, the, the fact that we can talk comfortably about the Enneagram and come up with interesting stuff that didn't just happen overnight. That came from like sincere, consistent curiosity for decades. I mean, to be able to talk about this stuff, like it's just, you know, like a second language, it took some time to be able to do that. And so that's, you can't buy that kind of level of curiosity. You can't buy that level of comfort with something that you've just been um, devoted to for a long time so it's like yeah there are other people who can do this stuff but it's like how interested are you really and are I mean, you as interested as we are i doubt it well i mean to to have a certain level of interest you have to like suffer from the enneagram mm -hmm. like you don't just find it like interesting and cool if you're like that obsessive with it because that level of obsession is motivated out of like some kind of pain usually like yeah. from whether it's from the pain of uh suffering your own personality or it's like the sense of uh like i mean when i learned the enneagram it was sickness over the lack of like the way that it described my personality uh in a way that i knew that all the things i took to be unique were not and then I was like, what the fuck am I that's not this? And so it's like, part of it, I think, is that we rep we do represent some of that aspect of it where, I mean, we've generated all this content because we're struggling with the material. Like, and it's it's a struggle. It's not, it's like a not just a, it's not just fun. Right. It's not just interesting and cool. It's like, there's a lot of struggle. And I mean, this past uh, 2021 was like, we generated so much shit based on different personal transformations yeah. and changes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... You can't generate this much shit if you're not going through it yourself. Like, this is coming from... Let's get, let's get together and record this because, you know, I've just realized something that I've been struggling with and this is the missing piece. And so there's no way you can maintain curiosity into anything if it's not actually penetrating you. So a lot of times people show up and they're interested in the Enneagram and they start picking it up but it's like 
this stuff doesn't really stick and you don't get really good at it unless it actually gets under your skin, which it's actually getting into your life and um, you're actually using it to confront some really serious things. And that's when it gets deeper and deeper and, and you can spend years and years and it doesn't seem like you can actually ever get to the bottom of what the Enneagram really is. And so, you know, I hope more people do that because that's what we're doing. And it, it comes from a real, like, the Enneagram is a part of the way I see everything. And that's why it feels like this is something I can talk about for the rest of my life. Although, be fair warned, once you start, you can't stop. And it fucking sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's no bottom. It never ends. Any good questions from the peoples? Yeah. Questions. Um, questions or they comments? They were saying that they really wanted to hear more actual for content rather than not a for content. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, but no specific questions. Unless you guys have questions and you can ask and we will answer them. Yeah, we're going to wrap up, so... Yeah, ask questions now or forever hold your peace. Right. Or you can call into our love line. We love that. <laughs> but yeah, question while we're here doing a live pod. Who's, yeah, who's on there? Unless David has some personal trauma he wants to unpack with us. <laughs> yeah. Do another David David episode. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Curious case of David. <laughs> no, that would put work on us instead well, of yeah. you. It's like, hey, I remember that one time I was uh, almost was molested, molested. <laughs> by an older woman. By an older sexual one. She was real foxy. <laughs> <laughs> I have For Stockholm syndrome. I want to see the people. I mean, they're just, no one's asking questions okay. right now. We have 18 um, watchers, viewers, that's what it's called. That's real like, disappointing for a group of 14,000 people, 1,400 people. It's gone up and down. <laughs> I was going to say, we have can not reached the, that level. Can the egoic <laughs> drive to self, oh God, dear. Be harnessed for real Oh, who asked that question? Or Daniel, Daniel Keyes. Keyes. Or is it necessarily <laughs> counterintentional? That's a lot of big words. Come man. on, dude. Can you, like, it's, I need you to tone it down. It's a Thursday night. We're drinking. Can you ask less? I need you to go on the thesaurus Come on, and pick man. the smaller words. All right. Words. So I don't know if I'm answering this question correctly, but I think that what you're kind of asking is can one's own narcissism be leveraged for inner work? And I think yes, because I think there's a certain way in which you can have basically like take pride in your personality. And then when you see how shitty you've been or shitty you are or how ineffective you are, uh, that's humbling and that's humiliating. And humility, like actual humility, not just feeling bad humility is like the key but it's also that you need to um, take seriously your work because you take a certain pride in yourself. And so, yeah, absolutely, you can, uh, anything can be letters for inner work. I was going to say real quick that I, and maybe this, maybe Emika said this already and I just zoned out. Um, <laughs> um, I was going to say that like I think in order to engage in the Enneagram you have to be over yourself to a certain degree and you need to kind of like see how fraudulent you've been you know the whole time like I think these like BuzzFeed quizzes and like memes and Enneagram and you know insert generic thing here 
um, can be like fun, but I think they can actually soften the pain to a point where the work then becomes unproductive and you use it as a way to sort of give yourself permission to stay stuck and to stay asleep. Mm -hmm. So the more you actually suffer from it, the more you see that your patterns are ineffective and then you're tortured going one way and you know that it's going to hurt like hell to go in the opposite direction, but that's the only way out. So I think... Again, like the Enneagram's like fun and it's especially been used for like community and to meet like, you know, fun people. But I think as long as it's been used for fun, as long as it's being used for fun, um, you're not actually going to get much work done. Well, and that actually brings me to Tara's question, which is how do positive types learn from y'all without needing their own space? And this might be my bias towards positive types slightly, but I feel like you have to suffer to to learn from the Enneagram and positive types are not going to want to suffer. That's part of why they don't like to listen uh, to Alexander. us. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I'm a positive type. <laughs> Alexandra, how do positive types learn to like, and to I us? think you're <laughs> suffering. Are you not? You need, <laughs> you need a four to just annoy you into growth. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, a, I don't think any type can just la la land their way into personal growth. I, I think, uh, the way positive types learn from us is uh, seeing their reaction to our content and working with it. Well, to have like an interest in growth, I think. I think that's it. To just have, have an interest in growth, not just like. Oh yeah, not just. What were you saying? Yeah, I, I don't, I'm, I'm a little tipsy, but uh, <laughs> 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 but yeah, like to just have a real interest in growth. If you find the material valuable for your growth, and. If you can get over our tone, that means that you not only recognize there's some valuable material here, but that you're actually more interested in the material than our tone. Mm -hmm. That is a very good point because uh, I saw in some other field, this is a very left field analogy, but I follow some combat trainers, like a boxing trainer, and he learns from a bunch of different people, like from different sports in different fields and somebody hit him up and said why do you follow this controversial coach because they're a trump supporter he's like well i only follow i'm only paying attention to them because i am trying to get better as an athlete and they are the best in their field uh and so if you care about development in whatever your chosen path is and you're looking at us as we are generating some of the best content in terms of Enneagram development, then our tone should not matter to you. If you are here to grow, then you should focus on what the fuck you're here to do. Not like if you like our personalities, are we generating some generating things that are helpful towards you moving forward and understanding yourself and understanding the Enneagram? Because if that's the case, if that's what you fucking care about, then everything else is irrelevant. If you're generating the best content in the Enneagram, I don't give a shit what your personal bullshit is. I'm interested. If you make a comment in a group that helps illuminate something that I didn't understand before about the Enneagram, I'm interested. I don't give a shit about your personal life. If you can help me move forward in something that I give a shit about, I'm interested. And so when people bring up this other irrelevant bullshit, it's like, you're not here for the same reasons I'm here. I want to progress and develop in this Enneagram shit that we're here doing. So someone asked if we, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say real quick, because the end of that positive type um, question said, without needing your own space. 
I would say you don't need to engage without taking your own space. Take your space. <laughs> uh, I think any type is, yeah, especially That's positive types because this podcast does um, swing negative. Um, but I, I say like withdrawn type, whatever, of all the types, take your own space, like take time to process, um, take time to sort of shut off the input so that you can understand, you know, let all of the information that you've just taken in settle, see how it relates to you. When I found out I was a nine because David is an asshole. He, he um, is. He is very much when an I, asshole. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when I found out I was a nine, I was trying to weigh that against what I thought my typing was, which was five. I was very overwhelmed and trying to like continue to take in information to sort of I don't know, way one, one against the other. It got so overwhelming for me that I had to put all of my books away. I had to uh, like mute all the groups. I took, I just stepped away from it for like two weeks to process all of it, to like let my emotions settle, to let my like, you know, triple attachment, social bullshit, uh, porous garbage, <laughs> um, to let all of that settle. And then I was able to come back and move forward. So like take your space. There's nothing wrong with that at all. In fact, I would encourage more of you to take space so that you yeah. stop acting up so much. Right. Yeah, go create your ideal positive compassion empathy space. Please dear God, take it somewhere else. Yeah. Well, well, it's also like how how many how much time in a week do you spend on this pie which is like if you listen regularly which most people don't even you know no. every now and then it's like it's like an hour or something. Yeah. Well, the last thing I was going to say is like a lot of the criticism that you guys get is for not being a safe space or whatever and yada yada and not like having these like that today we will do this <laughs> practice exercise and hold your heart in your hands for your mother or I don't know, whatever. Like if you, if, you, if this voice. is not being provided, if you're not, oh my God, I'm getting frazzled now. <laughs> Be your own fucking safe space. Right. Create you know, that like, space for yourself. If that's what you need, then like take the time, give it to yourself. You can still do that. One this thing, is Alexandra's self-care hour. <laughs> yep. Anger type. One <laughs> thing that I have appreciated is that people who have come to the group, uh, who have contributed, if there's something that you feel like is missing in our community create it and there have been people who've done that i think um who like emily Lovell is somebody who's created like an enneagram mm -hmm. study series uh with her coaching program with based on our material and she's created um something that she wanted to see more of and it's like people are complaining but you, if you be like the be the change the that you want to see <laughs> you know like of course you have to also be mindful of where you're you know you're not going to change the the personality of the culture of uh, uh, around the people who created this group but if there are certain things that you feel like would be needed or appreciated uh, by the people who are here you can go about creating that um, it's like you know it seems to me that a lot of times when people that are doing the most complaining are also the people that are doing the absolute fucking least go and generate something you know do something that, that if you want to see more of something in the world go, go make it happen Somebody asked if we can discuss sevens in more in depth at some point. Absolutely not. We're done with sevens. No, fuck sevens. Um, <laughs> it's attachment types forever. That, are you are you being serious? Or? I can't tell. Dead serious. <laughs> now what, I'm confused. What as, what's an aspect of the enneagram uh, you want to develop more expertise in or find curious? Do you find yourself being blown away slash challenged by the basics, like in a good way, where simple things still sound profound? Mm. Um, 
I mean, yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of, I, I'm especially interested in uh, Egypt. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to. Nancy, <laughs> shut the fuck she up. She said Egypt. Um, Over here. Uh, with the side of Egypt. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, in terms of the Enneagram itself, uh, there's the holy ideas is something that Courtney and I have been talking a lot about, and uh, I'm gonna like redive into. And essence is always like like trying to get more specific around essence and the higher emotional center uh, is something that I've been really interested in. But I mean, in general, yeah, it's like I kind of feel like the basic basics are still being illuminated, mm-hmm. like the very basic thing, like even the sense that four uh, over individuates. Like I remember a couple years ago, um, I was like, oh, that's what four is. That's what I'm doing all the time. That's what, like, that's, it's not this, oh, I'm just flawed and wounded or something. It's like, no, I'm separating. Like, it was this enormous light bulb moment for me, this over-individuating, over-specifying thing. And so, um, you know, like, sixes confuse the hell out of me. Uh, There's a lot with six I'm still wanting to understand. Right, uh, Twos. yeah, I mean, you know, these attachment babies right here. Yeah, um, I still find five, five, four, and seven really interesting. Yeah, rejection still confuses me. Why? Mm-hmm. What's why do you do that? What's that? I go all day about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I don't know. There's there's a ton, and I'm blanking on a lot. And I'm gonna listen back to this and be like, oh, I should have said all this more interesting <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I'm looking forward to looking back at these comments on the live and getting ideas for new pods. Yeah, I think the thing about good. the enneagram is like it's like picking up a a bunch of different languages, and you can get like a basic level of fluency, but it feels like you can always continue to develop your literacy with different languages and like the Enneagram is like nine different languages and it's like nine different countries and you know maybe you have a basic understanding of the Enneagram and it's like at this point it's like oh I kind of I get I can have a conversation but you can't have a deep conversation yet and it takes new discoveries to get to a point where you can have a deep conversation about like what the fuck nine is doing you know or what the fuck six is doing who knows uh, <laughs> I don't know. Nines don't know. They can't tell you. But what, another thing, uh, you know, like I, I'm potentially developing an, an, another podcast, which is a little bit more, uh, more of the sensitive holding that people are looking for. With my friend Kara. Kara. We've yeah. recorded a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. And uh, I mean, it's been going like we've we've recorded two, and it's been going really well. But the idea is to interview people about their life story in the framework of these instinctual stacking and specifically the blind spots. We might be calling it blind spot or something like that. But, mm, that's but good. like, you know, it, I like, I feel like it is such a powerful uh, modality for therapy and for people's self-understanding to see the un- instincts. And like a lot of people don't understand how they could be blind in this instinct or, you know, they don't understand how somebody's dominant in that instinct so I feel like these kinds of explorations could like really uh, get deep in people's guts about how these things actually work in people and how they're related to the core suffering of somebody's life. Yeah, the instincts themselves still kind of feel like smoke to me. Like I can see them, but I can't really grasp them. Nancy, yeah, I wrote a book on it. <laughs> I know, and I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I own it, though. You guys should all buy it. <laughs> 
it's a beautiful centerpiece. <laughs> yeah, I know that like the like ninety nine percent of everybody who bought it did not read it. <laughs> and I will. I just no, I don't. I don't care. And you just bring it with you to dinner, and people will ask you what it is. It's like, oh yeah, just tell you about the eighty grip. <laughs> just yeah, it's just like oh, this is my my friend wrote this. Yes. <laughs> That's a that's a conversation starter. And then you turn the book over, and they get to see how beautiful your friend is, and they <laughs> oh, immediately fall in love. And they're, they're like, like oh. "Man, that's a big author picture." <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. It definitely is a big author picture. This guy must be a narcissist. Yeah. No, I was on a I was on a um, uh, New Ventures West uh, is like a coaching school that I really recommend if anybody's trying to be a coach, but. Uh, they did my book for a book club and like, you know, my, my last chapter is about conscious humility. <laughs> and, and somebody was like, I, I very much liked your book. He was like a uh, German or something. He's like, but uh, I couldn't help but notice, but your cover is your painting and you have a big picture on the background. <laughs> and definitely the cover is my narcissism. And then in terms of the, the back cover, that was like uh, my friend helped design the whole, the, the whole jacket. And she was like, no, make it big. <laughs> so I feel like an asshole with how big my picture is but she was like this is the way to go so <laughs> I understand there's contradiction there yeah but people your gotta integrate great. it all <laughs> like everybody wants to look at it so <laughs> I don't see the issue yeah what's the problem <laughs> it's just me yeah it's a beautiful man I don't know. <laughs> what's wrong with that <laughs> Gotta bless the world. Man. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about y'all, but how many times have you licked that back cover? <laughs> People need to integrate narcissism and self growth. Yes. Well, actually, something kind of interesting for, for that 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 comes up um, a lot when I'm doing coaching and working with people, especially in their blind spot. Generally speaking, a lot of us resist our blind spot because we feel like we're going to be narcissistic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And. Yep. Part of what I'm looking at or part of what is like discussed in the book, part of inner work in general, uh, it's called freedom from likes and dislikes. And there's a lot I could say about that, and it's related to the Enneagram of Virtues. But basically, um, you know, it's being impartially present. And part of that being impartially present is being uh, present with whatever wants to arise. And so not censoring whatever's going on inside. Because... The personality, the, the different centers, the, the body, heart, and mind, they're not yours. That's not you. And so part of um, inner growth in a certain way does or can look like narcissism. It's a very fine line. Uh, and part of the deal is you need to actually fucking be honest with yourself. Um, part of my inspiration in inner work is, called, is, is a group called the Malamati. And they were a potentially pre-Sufi but became a Sufi group. The idea was to be shameful in the eyes of everyone but Allah. And what that means is that uh, you know, you're not trying to show anybody how wake you are. And in fact, doing some efforts to make people think you're not awake, uh, because like like to try to like like to, to um wasn't the only pro one of the only prohibitions Christ made was to not be ostentatious about prayer. And so it's like the same idea is not using your I'm sorry? I said that went down the drain. Yeah, really. But it's like, it's not to be, not to use your, your inner life for narcissism. And so, right. so that can mean embracing a certain level of inherent narcissism. And a certain level of what we could call narcissism or what looks like narcissism is inherent to do your sexual instinct display, to get your self-pressed bread, and to uh, survive in, in the world with, among other people, to make friendships and connections and do all that stuff. So there's a certain level 
of what you could call and what is narcissism, but it's serving your instinctual aims and it's not being identified with it. And now most people are going to bullshit that and delude themselves and say, oh, I'm not being narcissistic, but I'm, I'm doing it just for my instinct. And it's like, that's fine. That's going to happen. But the, the onus is on each individual doing the inner work. So yeah, it's like if we get all like sensitive about narcissism, that's our own narcissism. All right, so we've done like an hour and 10 minutes. That's plenty. All right, you got any questions before we get the fuck out of here? Uh, well, they can just ask questions and yeah. we'll answer them later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this has already been too much. But, yeah, but we want to, uh, you oh, know. Oh, Cassandra, thank you. Yeah. We appreciate you a lot. And, uh, you know, hey, Brian, get the fuck in here. Yeah, come on. Yeah, this is uh, this is the pre-Nancy wedding yeah, we're family, family podcast. <laughs> the family Very podcast. <laughs> All right, let's take like a a podcast video. Podcast send video send off. Right let's take a little. Yeah. All right, thanks everybody. Congratulations, Nancy and Brian. Yeah, all of them lie, all of them lie, all of them. President, come in